Welcome to Prostate Cancer and You, a podcast produced by the Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition. The mission is to educate, connect, and support men at risk, newly diagnosed individuals, survivors, and their families. It also connects organizations and professionals in Massachusetts seeking to conquer and cure prostate cancer. The Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Symposium is now online May 15th. No exposure to anything except to the latest information on diagnosis, treatment, and research for prostate cancer. Hello, I'm Jordan Rich. Our guest today is Dr. Lorelai Mucci, professor of epidemiology at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and a leader in cancer epidemiology at the Dana-Farber Harvard Cancer Center. Our topic today is what is the state of evidence behind lifestyle and diet for prostate cancer patients? I'd like to begin with a pretty obvious question, but I'll ask it anyway. What do we mean when we say lifestyle? That's a really great question. You know, generally, when we think about lifestyle, we think about factors that men are involved in in their daily lives. So it can range from everything from the, the type of food that they eat, things like physical activity, also such as medications you might take, things that within a man's general life he is, is exposed to. Dr. Mucci, we've learned so much about the genetic factors. We're certainly going to be talking about the environmental factors, but the genetic factors have, have given us so much more of a knowledge base when it comes to lowering the risk of getting prostate cancer and treating it. We've learned a lot about the genetics of prostate cancer. And what I mean by that are, are the, the genes we inherit from our, our parents. Prostate cancer is the cancer that has the strongest contribution of inherited genetic factors. So just put a number on it, about 57% of all of the variability in in who gets prostate cancer um, can be explained by these inherited genetic factors. So really a big proportion of a man's risk is due to inherited genetic factors. That's something we didn't really fully know 10 years ago. Not only do we know how much of that is due to genetic factors, but we also now know what the majority of those genetic factors are. And what we're hoping over the next couple of years is that we can use this information on genetics to help identify men earlier uh, when treatment uh, is going to be much more helpful in terms of preventing progression of disease. Right. Well, knowing about genetics as we do, and I've talked with some other wonderful doctors about this, it doesn't minimize the fact that lifestyle and environment has a part to play and a very big one when it comes to cancer in general. So if we can focus on some of the lifestyle issues as it pertains to prostate cancer. First of all, you talk about activity and everyone knows exercise is important, but what impact does exercise seem to have on preventing or helping people with prostate cancer? We've learned a lot about physical activity also over the past, I would say, five years in terms of, as you've said, both preventing men from getting prostate cancer in the future. And in particular, it seems that the men who are engaging in regular sort of vigorous physical activity have a much lower risk of, of being diagnosed in the future with more aggressive forms of prostate cancer. And so what do we mean by vigorous physical activity? Well, it's things like uh, walking at a, a brisk pace, maybe about you know walking a mile in about 16 minutes. That's a pretty brisk pace. It can be things like playing tennis. It can be um, going for a jog or running, anything that's really elevating the heart rate. So engaging in, in physical activity at that level uh, seems to be associated with a lower risk of aggressive cancer. 
Once a diagnosis of prostate cancer is arrived at, what role does physical activity play then? Yeah, that's a great question. And and, uh, there we've also learned quite a lot that physical activity can have such a big effect on um, many aspects of health for prostate cancer patients. So um, for example, what we've seen is that um, after diagnosis, the men who are engaging really in any kind of physical activity, even things like risk walking, have a lower uh, risk of progression of their prostate cancer. They have improved overall survival. You know, many, many men with prostate cancer might also be suffering from things like cardiovascular disease and other cancers. And so physical activity really is associated with a lower risk of all of those outcomes for men. And then also um, it appears that physical activity can improve uh, fatigue. It may even have a positive effect on, uh, depending on the type of physical activity, on things like incontinence. So really, we think about physical activity, and again, it might, depending on what you want to work on, it might be everything from brisk walking to uh, doing some weights or bands, uh, Mm. many different types of activity may be beneficial for men after diagnosis. The other big facet, of course, is diet. We hear about the importance of good nutrition and diet. And what do we now know about, particularly about prostate cancer and its links to, say, poor diet? I think what we've we've learned quite a lot is that it's not necessarily one specific food, but really about more about healthy dietary patterns. So I, I think if we think about diets such as the Mediterranean diet or a diet that's um, plant-based or, you know, very low in things like red meat. I think when we think about a healthy dietary pattern, again, that's going to lower the risk of um, men ultimately being diagnosed with cancer, a prostate cancer, and also after diagnosis, improving the longer term outcomes. But again, we're sort of shifting away from that idea of looking at just single foods to thinking about patterns of diet. And that relates directly to the problem in America of obesity and and people being overweight. And this ties in with the exercise question. So what impact does that have? I mean, we know that it's overall not very healthy to be overweight, but does it also up the odds of prostate cancer being there and also being difficult to treat. Yeah, so so obesity is probably one of the most well-established risk factors for being diagnosed with more aggressive forms of prostate cancer and for prostate cancer patients for, for really worse outcomes. So losing weight in some way is really going to be beneficial for men. And, you know, physical activity is very interesting. We think that some of the benefit of physical activity for prostate cancer patients is through maintaining a healthy weight, but actually there seem to be independent effects. So even if a man still has a little bit of excess weight, engaging in regular physical activity can seem to really have benefits for patients. So it's it's been very interesting that it seems that obesity and physical activity may have some of the same effects for men, but also may have their own independent effects. So uh, that's one thing. And then, of course, diet uh, indeed does contribute to um, weight. And so maintaining a healthy diet, again, things like plant-based diets, Mediterranean diet, um, uh, can help men achieve a healthy weight. As we talk about food, we have to mention drink. And there are so many studies that 
cross-pollinate and you read one day that uh, drinking a certain amount of alcohol is okay, then it's not okay? Sure. So uh, alcohol is, uh, as you've talked about, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a complex lifestyle factor. Um, I th- what I think for prostate cancer, when you look at all of the evidence, it doesn't seem to be increasing the risk, but it also doesn't seem to be lowering the risk. So I think you know, for prostate cancer, um, I think moderation of alcohol, maybe one or less drinks per day is probably okay. But there are some cancers where the evidence for an association between alcohol increasing the risk of certain types of cancer. So for example, colorectal cancer, for women, breast cancer, um, and there's certain types of oral pharyngeal cancers that may be elevated with alcohol. So, again, I, I, would, I would say for prostate cancer specifically, it's probably neutral. But I think if you are concerned about something like colorectal cancer, for example, you might want to sort of avoid alcohol. And, and we, as public health people, always want to recommend avoiding excess alcohol consumption. Um, just for part of a healthy healthy life. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up smoking. Is there any linkage that we now know of between smoking and, and say, specifically prostate cancer? Smoking now is linked to uh, 15 different cancers, hmm. including the risk of more aggressive prostate cancer. And in the most recent report from the U.S. Surgeon General, um, they've now linked the evidence as to be quite strong for the association between smoking and prostate cancer mortality. So again, it's never too late to quit smoking. Um, uh, The epidemiology studies show that men who had been smoking but quit smoking, they can lower that excess risk. So it's never too late to stop smoking. I suppose the trickiest part of all this is the general environment and where people live, work, whether they're in a, a particularly dangerous part of the environment for their susceptibility. And again, we could probably spend years talking about all the studies, but do we know anything specifically that relates to prostate increase because of where people are, where they're living, where they're working? Yeah, I think that's a, a really fantastic question. And I think it's something that many different researchers are starting to explore this idea of linking either where you work or where you live together with all of the things that are happening in the environment. We actually just, uh, I was just part of a study that looked at um, the green, average green space, you know, forests and trees and, and using information on Uh, from Earth satellites to look at, you know, how green is the area someone lives in. And it actually looked like the effect was fairly small, but it did look like that individuals who were living where there was more green space seemed to have a lower risk of more fatal forms of prostate cancer. Now, the question is, is that, you know, a direct effect of living in an environment with more trees? Is it because you might have more access to physical activity? I think those are things we need to explore. On the other side, I think we're starting again, we're in the early stages, but I think we're starting to see that areas that have crime and environments that are, are creating a stressful environment, those may negatively impact cancer, including cancers like prostate. But I think it's such an important area and something we'll really need to do more research on. 
Lorelai, before starting the podcast, you and I were talking about the impact of other medications for other conditions that could affect the path of prostate cancer. Tell us a bit more about that. There are a number of epidemiology studies that have looked at high levels of cholesterol, in particular uh, that low-density cholesterol that seems to be an increased risk for cardiovascular disease. That also seems to be associated with an increased risk of of more aggressive prostate cancer. And and there's now a number of really well-done studies that men who are taking the cholesterol-lowering drug, statin, seem to have a lower risk of being diagnosed with advanced prostate cancer. And then for men after they're diagnosed, if they've been taking a statin, their risk of mortality is much lower. So I think statins is one medication that, again, as you said, is being taken for other reasons um, that may actually have a benefit Mm. uh, for prostate cancer patients. Um, Another uh, commonly taken medication that there's, and again, I would put this evidence as kind of earlier, we don't have quite as much good evidence to date yet, but looking at aspirin. So um, men who take aspirin regularly, again, may have a lower risk of uh, prostate cancer. There's actually quite good evidence that um, aspirin is associated with a lower risk of colorectal cancer. And there's some evidence also for breast cancer. So it's, it's a very interesting, um, uh, you know, commonly taken medication that may ultimately lower the risk of several different types of mm-hmm. cancer. There's another huge lifestyle dilemma, and that's people not getting enough sleep or the right kind of sleep. And that's, that's a national crisis, I think, as we've all heard. But what impact does sleep or lack of sleep possibly have on prostate cancer? Yeah, that's a really great question. And, and uh, as, um, you know, for example, men, as they get older, up to a third of men have pretty severe sleep problems. Um, and so it, it, it really does have a big effect on kind of the overall well-being of a person. Um, uh, a number, there's a number of um, different lines of, of evidence that might suggest um, sleep problems um, may have, uh, may be associated with an increased risk of, of prostate cancer. And again, more of that advanced form of prostate cancer. And in addition, uh, there's other, so sleep is, is one component of what we think of, of the circadian rhythm. Um, so we might, you might have heard about things like melatonin, which is produced by the body um, as you're getting ready to go to sleep. Well, there's been a number of studies that have looked at um, levels of melatonin and risk of prostate cancer, suggesting that the higher levels of melatonin may be associated with a lower risk of prostate cancer. And then there's actually genes involved in these circadian um, pathways that also seem to be associated with prostate cancer. So there's actually a lot, so sleep is one component of this larger set of hypotheses around the role that the circadian rhythm might play. So I think maintaining healthy sleep. Um, and again, actually, that's one of the things that exercise can be quite good for, regular exercise. And also, um, there's some evidence that maintaining a healthy weight might also help with melatonin levels. So I think this interconnection between sleep, physical activity, and uh, weight are all sort of taken together. And so I think sl- sleep really can be something both uh, to prevent uh, prostate cancer from happening. And then after diagnosis, it may be also something to think about um, mm. 
ways in which to enhance sleep, quality of sleep. Lifestyle, we shouldn't think of it as drudgery. We should think of it as an exciting step to benefit ourselves physically, emotionally, and, and mentally, and feel good and live with more energy. And one of the great byproducts is we might just either prevent some cancers or certainly deal with cancers in, a, in an easier way because we're in better shape. Absolutely. I think that's excellent advice. Dr. Mucci, this has been really, really helpful and lots to learn and lots to take in. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure. You've been listening to a conversation with Dr. Lorelai Mucci, professor of epidemiology at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and a leader in cancer epidemiology at the Dana-Farber Harvard Cancer Center. We invite you to stay tuned to future podcasts featuring valuable information and resources, the latest in research and treatment, and stories of real people who have challenged prostate cancer and won. To learn more about the 2020 Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition Symposium, please visit masspcc.org. That's masspcc.org. You can subscribe and download these podcasts at Apple Podcast, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also available for Android. This is Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening.